0: Welcome to Intergalactic Tarbush, eclectic conversations from the mena with Iyad al-Baghdadi and me, Ahmed Gathnash. Hey, Ahmed. Hey, Iyad. How How's it man? going? Good, thanks, here. Yeah. So, what is this? Um, this is um, something we've been meaning to do for a very long time, and we've had a few false starts on uh, which is basically to start recording our chats, because, you know, they're so interesting that I'd probably listen back to them myself.
1: You, you know, like, our chats are extremely eclectic, and, uh, I mean, the idea is to make this a podcast, right? Or Yeah. When, when, like, when did you get the idea?
0: Um, a year ago, a year and something, and we've basically been so distracted by other priorities since then that we haven't had the chance
1: i mean the, the the thing is our you know when we talk, we're jumping topics so much I mean I'm thinking like we could go from the evolution of gorillas to like to crypto to post capitalist economics to our workout routine to cooking tips in like the course of like ten minutes.
0: yeah, I can see that you've got the evolution of <laughs> gorillas on your knowledge base today, so I want to hear about that
1: uh. Well, I mean, let's actually let's start let's start with the knowledge base, the concept of a knowledge base, because, um, I mean, about uh, what is it like a year and a half ago, we started using uh, a piece of software called Rome Research, um, and you know we kind of describe it as. I mean, for both of us, it was like really a big jump in our ability to really you know consume information, right? Um, it was you who found it. But, you know, we have been like looking for something like that for such a long time. So like, maybe, maybe we start from there.
0: Yeah. Shout out to Connor for being the savior, I guess, um, because we had been looking for this for years and we're now both completely obsessed with it and addicted to it. Um, but this is where we store all of our reading notes. Um, it's where we do our thinking and because of the way it's structured, it connects everything um in the same structure as your brain like with the neurons connecting at different concepts as networks um so you just have loads and loads of serendipity and you end up with uh, notes on the same topic um that you wrote months or years ago being surfaced um can get weird sometimes
1: i mean i did notice that uh, i actually write a lot um i never publish it but i write a lot and a lot of the time it's not it's like it's kind of like half baked, half you know. It's it's not really publishing material, but it's just notes and notes and notes. There's no polish. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, this is how we kind of get to the evolution of gorillas. Because I mean, completely, completely. This is completely random, of course. Uh, it's just that I was uh, so there is this. I,
0: I love how natural you thought that segue was. This is how we I get mean, to the evolution. of gorillas. I mean,
1: this is natural for us, right? Uh, I mean. <laughs> Uh, so, so I'll tell you why why I got to this topic, right? So there is this. Uh, science... You know, there's
0: someone there's someone out there listening, thinking, "What does this have to do with anti-authoritarianism?"
1: Yeah, because I mean, I mean, you know, it's it's a weird thing, but I have been thinking about this topic from that from like I've been thinking about history, really. But then I'll come back to that. Let me let me just tell you how how I got on uh, on 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 gorillas. There was this. Um, uh popularizer of science who mostly does content in the arabic language she's i don't think she's very well known outside of the arabic realm her name is salam katanani uh i think she's jordanian uh staying living in the united arab emirates and uh, she's been doing a lot of uh really interesting material i mean really good material for for the arabic language and like one of her recent posts was about uh i think she posted a clip um of uh, essentially, yeah, uh, you know, it's a, it's an imaginary clip, of course, of uh, you know uh, Australopithecus, uh, which is you know basically an one of our evolutionary ancestors before we became Homo, you know, before we the, the species became human, right? And I think she commented on that, and she's like, um, you know, this is these are human beings, uh, you know, uh, three million years ago or something like that. And I think she got like a torrent of abuse on Instagram from everybody who's like, you know, their their idea is that, you know, this is religiously implausible or even like it's it's blasphemy to even say that. Uh, on the other hand, I was thinking, wait a minute, Australopithecus wasn't human. It was it was an ape. It says that in the name Australopithecus, right? Australo means su- Southern, Pithecus is ape. The first human... It's probably Homo erectus, right? Two million years ago, one point nine million years ago. But that got me into like this query about like when did like when did we branch off from gorillas? Uh, and the answer is somewhere somewhere between ten to eight, you know, eight to ten million years ago. Uh, which is why I think that on uh, from an evolutionary perspective, we're actually closer to chimpanzees than to uh, uh, than to gorillas. Completely different. I mean, I know this is like the story doesn't make sense,
0: but uh, you know, this is where we are. Yeah, you mentioned um, religious sentiment. And I've tried to dig into this um, before because people do get upset um, and they do use religious reasoning. um, But I don't think that's the reason because, um, okay, you can disagree with the reason, but there's nothing inherently offensive about it unless you've been raised to feel some kind of offense. It's like someone basically told you your mother's a a chimpanzee or something. Uh, Um,
1: The the interesting thing is that... uh, you know we, we don't know our own tradition, by the way. This is, by the way, this is very normal for us when we when we when we move from a really serious topic to a political topic to a religious topic. Uh, but then yeah, these are these are kind of our the things that we geek out on. Uh, it's interesting that in the Shia tradition, there is, there are lots of references to this idea that the the scriptural uh, Adam, is not the first human, uh, that, uh, you know, th- that what is being described as a spiritual father of humanity rather than a biological father of humanity. And there is, actually, let me, let me look it up. Give me a second. So this is the good thing about having uh, 171 tabs open. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that just sounds horrifying.
1: So I'm reading uh, an article written in Arabic, uh, also written from a religious perspective, mind you from the shia tradition that says adam al-bashar, adam was not the first human um and uh, apparently this cites uh thinkers muslim thinkers from 320 hijri uh you know you have to you, when you want to convert i guess you have to add 500 i think 500 500 and uh, so sorry 620 years um 381 hijri 606 hijri going back to things that were mentioned uh uh, among uh, the early imams, uh, Ja'far al-Sadiq, etc., was this idea that before Adam there was a million Adams. Uh, I found that interesting. The whole idea that uh, in the Muslim tradition we don't really have a problem, you know, traditionally we didn't have a problem with the concept of evolution, uh, and we can talk about this later. I think, and you know, when it, whenever it comes up, but apparently now we do. And I don't know when we started to make a big fuss about this.
0: Yeah, I think um, somewhere along the line, we basically became defensive about science and decided, well, either colonialists decided to pit them against each other first, or we did it as a backlash. But we basically started to assert religion against science rather than alongside it.
1: So what's in your notes? I mean you you, ha- you have you have notes of I mean I don't know why you put you put this in the plan, but you wanted to speak about Eric Zamor.
0: Yeah, so before that, on the topic of early Christianity, did you know that uh early Christianity had a forty percent growth rate per decade for the first three hundred years? Wow, for the first what? Three hundred years. Three hundred wow. Three hundred and fifty years, I think. I mean you gotta ask yourself, uh
1: what is it? In the moment that made it gain so many supporters in such a short short period of time, to have such momentum
0: for three hundred years, it's uh, I I didn't really consider it. Um, but I don't think that would look um like very much like coronavirus growth rates i don't think that would look very shocking in the early stages um like i mean yeah roman but you're Empire talking about 300 years complacent. you're talking wait you're talking yeah. year by year year over year no uh, i think 40 percent growth per decade per decade that's still very impressive yeah. i mean
1: that's still very 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 fast i mean of course the most most this is basically on the roman times uh so it was mostly within the roman realm right which kind of yeah. raises a question of uh the spread, I mean, did Christianity spread beyond uh, the Roman region? I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I haven't studied that.
0: I think it puts into question a lot of uh, the dynamics of transmission as well. Like, I'm wondering whether it was um, individuals or whether you'd have, like, communal conversions, um, whether it spread uh, between adjacent geographical locations or um, it was, you know, much more widespread. It's really interesting to, to contemplate.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, you know, earlier, we, we, before, we, before we started the episode, we were, uh, we were discussing your knowledge base. And, and you're like, everything on my knowledge base is either too political or too far down the crypto rabbit hole. Uh, I mean, and that's the thing. We have been thinking about, I mean, we have been thinking about really weird things. In, in the end, we are building uh, an organization which is focused on the future of the Middle East and North Africa. And of course by extension the future of the world and we are activists uh we are very intensely interested in the cause of liberty and democracy um but we end up a lot of our conversations end up about you know crypto and bitcoin and psychedelics mm-hmm. and and of course the world order and nationalism and uh, and china and and religion and, and stuff like that um but I guess we have a very different take on what it means to to be to be activists.
0: Yeah, especially over the last couple of years um, where I felt like um, a lot of the activist community has just uh, been putting the blinders on more and more. Uh, and meanwhile, we've been becoming more and more eclectic to the point where some people are like, why the hell are you interested in all of this stuff? Well, we're, we're like doing campaigns.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, the, there's always this feeling of disconnect. Um, I've been feeling it more now, to be honest, like when I'm meeting, because for two years, you're not meeting people, right? Like during the pandemic and
0: stuff. So, and before oh, and then, Omicron... And you, you meet people and you realize how weird you got?
1: Kind of like that, because before Omicron, there was a window where we could travel, right? It, it seemed like, you know, the fog is lifting. Um, and so I did meet with a few people that I haven't met for many years, for several years, and since 2019, 2018, Um like before the pandemic, or even like even longer before the pandemic, and I started to realize that some people are exactly where they were uh, two years, three years ago, and haven't really. I mean, their 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 theories of change and their their worldviews have not accounted for what happened, you know, since the Trump years. Uh, I mean, we meanwhile for, meanwhile for us we have really spent two years strategizing, really.
0: Yeah, and I think that shows in. Um... The kind of topics we're thinking about now versus then there's been a lot of progress and evolution we're definitely not having the same conversations as we were two years ago
1: so tell me about your notes about eric zamor because uh you know the second time i'm bringing it up
0: yeah i'm i've just been really fascinated um like in the same way that you'd be fascinated like seeing a train come off the rails in front of you um like morbid fascination um there's a lot of parallels being drawn between his campaign and the trump campaign because a lot of people are writing it off um, as a train wreck. Um, you know, it's kind of hilarious that he's um, being heckled everywhere he goes and just as he launches um, his campaign and he's going all family values and stuff, there's some kind of sex scandal and things like that. Um, but that's exactly what led people to uh, take Trump for granted um, when actually Zemmour's rise likes Trump's rise coinciding with like a really dark moment in the French psyche where, um, you know, ugly anti-immigrant and anti-muslim particularly sentiment is coming to the fore um so it's just it's just worrying and then on top of that there's the fascinating additional note that this guy is a north african jew Mm -hmm. who's um like his parents are migrants from algeria um and you know he's got such a deep hatred of muslims that even uh, the traditional far-right leader marine le pen thinks he's extreme
1: Yeah, I mean, on that note about him being an Algerian Jew, I'll come back to it. But I just read an article earlier. Uh, I think it was, uh, I can't remember the platform, but it's basically saying that he actually uh, does not have connection. He does not have direct connections to France's fascist movements. He is not like he's not an ideological descendant or even an organizational descendant from there. He's basically a TV personality, unlike Le Pen. The pen is connected to them, so, so I
0: think that's the dangerous thing. Because, like in the same way, you could have said Trump isn't um, like from the legacy of the Ku Klux Klan, but that's the dangerous thing. Because yeah. So this is this was the conclusion.
1: There. This was the conclusion of the article. So basically, they're like he represents the the French mainstream. He represents something within the psyche of the of of French society as it stands at this point of his of its history, uh, and that you're absolutely right. It's more it's more dangerous.
0: And then there's this really weird dynamic in France where you have um, the center, which is really the right, uh, Emmanuel Macron, you know, the the artificial, the superficial liberalism and beneath some really right-wing policies, especially on uh, France's uh, behaviors in the world, on um, minorities in France. Then you have the far right, which is Le Pen. And then you have the far, far right, which is Zemmour, who is like basically even dispatching with the niceties that the far right adopted to try and become more palatable to the electorate. But then you have, on the right of that, you have the center again, because Macron's home affairs minister a couple of years ago actually accused Zemmour of being too soft on Muslims. I mean, so this is like...
1: uh, th- this point about having an extreme far right, uh, but within the, pol- normally when we say extreme far right, we mean we're, we're beyond the political window. These are people who are fringe, who will never be actually elected into, par- into any kind of uh, parliament, right? The idea that you have a center and then the right and then a far right and then the extreme far right, and all of them are within the window of electability reminds me so much of what I've been reading about Israeli politics and how Kahanas basically who are basically terrorists, are now in the part you know they're they're basically uh, you know electable now
0: they're, yeah they were yeah. literally banned in israel I, I, I don't I'm not sure if they were they they definitely they were definitely banned in the US and uh, some of their leadership were convicted i think
1: i mean the whole the whole idea is that they're, they're you know they they are disgusting when it comes like when, even when you talk to like left leaning left leaning israelis they're disgusted by them but the idea here is that is is this a normal healthy political spectrum because of a normal healthy political spectrum you're talking um, you know uh, left center left center Centered right and right, but if it's extending so far out into the right, where is the center anymore? And um, at the same time, you're going to ask, like, is this so completely tribalized that the spectrum itself doesn't make sense anymore? Like, is is there does does the political spectrum, the right, the left right uh, map, even make sense
0: anymore in such in such uh, political systems? And then you have to look at what kind of pull they're having on each other um, within the system, because um, you like I, I read an argument that what Zemmour is actually doing is making Le Pen seem far far more palatable, um, because suddenly she isn't the most extreme thing on the menu; she's like something in the middle between Macron. I and mean, Zemmour.
1: What, what do you think will happen? Do you think like this will split? Uh, you know, he will take some votes from Le Pen, uh, and that will benefit Macron.
0: Yeah, yeah, but the French system has a second round, so ultimately it'll be the top two, and it'll basically be someone... Right, because
1: then you level. can have the opposite of that, because what you what you get really... The, in that case, what you get is that uh, if Zamor doesn't make it to the second round, Le Pen does, and then she gets all of Zamor's votes because he was eliminated, uh, which, yeah. is, which is a s- scary possibility.
0: Yeah, and then on the other side, like looking at what effect they have on each other, um, Macron basically pivots to the right every time there's even a whiff of an election. Like you can basically set your clock by how extreme Macron's uh, uh, like uh, policies towards Muslims are. You can determine how far out the next election is.
1: I mean, an interesting thing is that I think just a few days ago, or was it was it a few weeks ago? I can't remember the date, but. Uh, 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 who was the, the, the previous pre- uh, president? Uh, what's his name? Hollande. Sarkozy? Oh, yeah. Uh, he was found guilty, like he was convicted for breaking campaign finance laws during his 2012 bid, which he lost. When he, uh, took
0: a bri- when he took a when he took payments from Gaddafi?
1: I'm not sure which one this is because because apparently there's multiple. It's almost like there is actually a long history of dark money in French politics because there was also that story about how Le Pen was basically accepting money from the UAE through some kind of intermediary. Yeah. Uh, so it seems that there is a history of that and you know dark money in French politics. Um, I don't think I, think I don't think Sarkozy is the only one who's been who's in trouble. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I, I found this really fascinating. A, the fact that like uh, dictatorship money isn't uh, unheard of. I mean, there's been um, other discussions of uh, African dictators sending plane loads of cash to finance elections in France. Um, but the other thing is that apparently being actually convicted of uh, incitement to hatred is not considered disqualificatory in France because Zemmour's had that more than once, actual convictions. Yeah, yeah, he he was. Thanks for listening. To support us, please leave us a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find the link to our Patreon in the episode description. See you next time.